Trying to decide whether that new game is worth your $60? Or maybe you're just wondering if an old game is worth your time. Well, you came to the right place. This is the only podcast that tries to answer the question. Should I buy it, though? Hey everyone, welcome back to Should I Buy It Though, and this week we have got a lot to say about the final installment in our Bioshock series, Bioshock Infinite. I am Giancarlo Herrera. I'm Nick number 12. TV's TJ Berry. I'm Amanda Facosta. And I am Nick number 11. Alright, well yeah, we're bringing you our, our final episode in the Bioshock series. I'm kind of sad to see the series go. I ended up enjoying it a lot more than... I thought I would, but it, it comes full circle because I know for a lot of us, this was, or for half of us, I guess, this was our first exposure to the game. Okay, so this game is a very different game to the other two, and I'm curious what the general feeling in the room is regarding Infinite, now that we've gone through them all. I'll just say that Infinite's my second favorite Bioshock. It's like smarter to me, I think that's why. Smarter in what way? Like I said, Bioshock 2 feels like the casual's paradise, and it doesn't really make you think that much. And I, I'm pretty sure I can say all of us had... Uh, all right, I don't know, but I, I think like we all had to think with that ending, yes or no? Oh, Was God, yes, ending? of course. Yeah, yeah. The ending to me kind of... It's weird because it was a revisit for me, and honestly, so much of this game, like at the time I played it the first time went way over my head even the stuff that was like blatantly obvious that now that i revisited it i didn't really have to think about the ending but it's because it was like the only thing i remembered so now i just like filled in the blanks um so i guess i that was different for me i think just because it was more more pieces of entertainment like movies and tv shows and stuff have come out that have um kind of had a similar not plot line but plot elements similar to Bioshock Infinite that I think maybe we've gotten more used to it because this is my second playthrough of it as well. And I understood a lot more this time around than I did the first time, just naturally. And I remember the first time I played it, it was all I could think about because there were so many new things to me that I didn't quite get. And I was like researching the ending nonstop, trying to find an explanation for it. And, um, I guess I'll just jump into how I felt about the game this time around. The first time, I adored it. I loved it. It was my first Bioshock experience. This time around, after having just played the first two games, it kind of... The experience was kind of soured for me a little bit. I still loved it. I still think it's I probably an 8 out of 10-ish. But um, I, the gameplay especially, I just enjoyed the first two Bioshocks more, I guess. The story's still great, but... Go ahead, Nick. I just, can I ask what kind of similarities you see from, like, I guess, media or TV nowadays, like, to this game that you were talking about before? Uh, should I jump? It's kind of spoiler Oh, it's territory. spoiler stuff? Yeah. I guess we can get to it later. Yeah, I'll, I'll go into it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think we'll we'll have a spoiler section relatively early in the episode because that's a lot of the meat yeah. of this. Um, but we'll save it for now in case anyone's listening for the first time since this is the newest game. I think that this episode is going to be where Palazzo and I are, like, most into... I think so. <laughs> ...of, like, anything we've done so far. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that I think my overall sentiment to the game is the way Palazzo felt about Bioshock 2. Um, 
to me, I'm not going to lie, this game uh, straight up was just my least favorite Bioshock experience. And I expected to really love it because I loved it the first time I played it. But it ended up being my least favorite by a significant margin. And if we're being... I, I will get into why in a second. But I actually found that I was not having fun for like a decent portion of it. Like really at all. I The thing that turned this game around for me in such a huge way is the DLC. The DLC has now become, and I've been grappling with this today, but I think I can say it is my favorite Bioshock experience, if not tied with Bioshock 2. Um, but the game is at the end of the list, and I would venture to say that in my, how it felt for me, fun-wise, it was not even like an 8 out of 10. And it was the easiest game of all of them for me as well. Maybe I should have ramped up the, the difficulty, who knows, but I was playing on normal which i assume is what the developers initially intend so i don't think i can fault myself for playing on the default difficulty you know mm -hmm. I, I know on hard mode it wasn't it definitely wasn't the hardest that's still the first bioshock but um i still i think bioshock 2 is a little easier for me but i never struggled in bioshock infinite other than one garbage section towards the end yes but other than that it was a pretty i, I breezed through the game pretty easily on hard mode Bioshock 2 ramped up the difficulty at the end for me regarding some of those, like, sections that you're talking yeah. about. So, like, at the end, definitely, if you look at the last section of 2 versus this one, 2's way easier. But consistently throughout the experience, this one remained easier longer than 2... It was easier longer than I was overpowered into. Mm -hmm. Amanda? Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I think I agree with what Palazzo had said about um, Infinite. I forgot what you said. Never mind. I'll just say it in my own words. Um, Infinite definitely wasn't my favorite. I I don't know why, though. I don't even know why. I, yeah, it's I, hard I to... Started it. We, yeah, we talked about this a little bit before. Um, and, like, at the beginning, I was totally on board. And mm -hmm. then, I don't even know... I can't pinpoint exactly where I jumped off. And then eventually i jumped right back on i don't i can't pinpoint those moments for you i really do wish i, I think could. i can help you out no, i think no, i have no, an idea maybe yeah help me out. um because okay so at the beginning of the game about two hours in i want to say i said this is my favorite bioshock game it's a 10 out of 10 i love it just as much <laughs> as i remember it but you hadn't really gotten into the core of the gameplay yet right the scale was much better. The graphics were much better. Um, the skyhook is an amazing feature. I have a ton of fun on that thing. Um, plasmids are... They're different. I, I didn't love them as much in this game as I did the other ones. But they're still, they're still a fun time. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. They're called Vigors in this game and not uh, Plasmids. Because it's set in the, what, 1912, I think? Yeah. But, okay. So, my biggest thing with this game that... It seemed to take away gameplay elements from the first two Bioshocks, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I don't know why. It seemed like they wanted to make it more of a traditional first-person shooter than a normal Bioshock experience, because the biggest thing that I was annoyed by was you could only have two weapons at a time. And in case you guys don't know, in the original Bioshock games, you had a weapon wheel of any weapon you picked up. You would have it on you at all times. <laughs> Which didn't yeah. make that much sense, but was but that's very every fun. Game, though. Yeah, it's every game. It Even gave you GTA, more you have options. an RPG, out of you, pull it out of your pocket. Yeah, but the, well, your Vigors were supposed to be your options, I guess. Or and picky. even they that, want, I think they wanted you to switch. And I love the Vigors. The Vigors uh, are 
my favorite thing about this game, and I think they're better than uh, than the plasmids. And but even those things were dumbed down. I feel like in this game, not dumbed down, but I wasn't as excited to pick up a vigor as I was a plasmid because the way that the Agreed. the level design was set up in the original Bioshocks was it was almost like a Metroidvania style of picking up these plasmids, then going back to different areas yeah. and using them on things you couldn't before, which. You know, yeah, your exploration this game is was more ramped up there. This game is more linear, right? Exactly. So it's, it's yeah, and, it's not as open with it. It, it. it didn't encourage exploration either. I feel like that's the thing about the environment. The game is more linear. It wants you to be more linear. It wants you to truck through the story. But the environment is the biggest that it's ever been. Yeah. And even though it is like, especially at the onset, like the opening section of the game, you're like, oh. Here's Bioshock 1. Here are the Bioshock 1 developers. I see it. Every inch, you know, is lovingly crafted. You can listen to all these conversations. You can see everything. But once, like, I guess shit hits the fan in the game and you enter the gameplay section, the world is boring as hell. It is beautiful and it's expansive, especially because you're in this open area. But there's nothing to find. Like, exploration, I did it because I I felt compelled to do it, but I hardly ever felt like i was being rewarded properly for it you really weren't you Which, you found money yeah. and then uh guns thrown across the floor because you were only given two weapons but you could pick up whatever you wanted in the world so i guess in that sense you had options but not yeah. really and then your equipment i had a big problem with too because you can only attach one piece of gear per clothing item that you get you get like pants a shirt a hat shoes and you can only pick one at a time but um in bioshock one and two you had tonics where you could attach as long as you upgraded your tonic slots you could get almost as many as you wanted and you can mix and match uh different tonics based on your play style that uh the the tonics was the biggest letdown of the game for me almost but also, like, even things uh, that they added in this game, I was like, why did you make it so boring? And then they fixed it in the DLC, like, the um, the kinetoscopes. They're just these little things that you look in uh, <laughs> and you get history. And, like, sometimes it's literally just a vista of a place that you've already seen in person. And it, it does nothing. You just yeah. stare at it. And, like, it's just there for the achievement. And yep. then when you see it in, bio, in, uh, in the DLC... It's interesting, it's funny, it's compelling, and I'm like, why did you not just do this in the base game? The DLC lifted the experience overall for me, but it also pissed me off because I was like, look at all that you had and all the possibility you had to make this game, and for some reason, you did Yeah, and and the thing with that is, everything that I had complained about in Bioshock Infinite, I found in the DLC, and I'm like... So yep. you knew this is what people wanted, and yet you had to wait till DLC to do it. I, I don't know. Yeah. TJ, I'm curious. How did this game fall in in your line of experience with the games? Uh, this game kind of got somewhat overhyped to me, um, mostly because I did play it a little bit later after it came out, uh, and like all the reviews were like glowing. People giving like ten out of tens and nines out of tens, mm-hmm. and they were like, "This is great. This is amazing." But you're right, it is kind of boring. It almost feels like they wanted to be a standalone. Um, and they're like, yeah. we're going to overhaul all this stuff and try to force you to do things that we wanted you to do. And then when it came to the DLC, they like dug into the people who were just like, yeah, it's not that good. And they were like, all right, we'll give you that. 
Yeah, they they did fan service, but it didn't feel like cheap fan service. It felt like meaningful stuff that would feel good to fans. Because something uh, Palazzo and I were discussing uh, on stream the other day when I was playing the DLC was that the developers had said that... Because the people who made Infinite are the same people who made 1, but not 2. And so they said that they were just done with Rapture. Like, they told the story they wanted to tell, so they weren't interested in revisiting it. And so it feels to me like... Like what you said, they were too busy trying to make like a standalone. They wanted to divorce themselves from Bioshock while still being Bioshock. And so it's like, it's not a bad game. Like it's, but especially if you've played the other two and especially if you just played them, like, like kind of like we did, it feels so much more boring and empty by comparison. So it kind of felt like uh, the Assassin's Creed when they got away from like the futuristic stuff. And they just like, <laughs> yeah, something to support it. And, like, the game is beautiful, and it's fun to play sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just, it gets really, really boring. I, I feel I'm, like... You trade scale for, like, excellence. Like, that that delicious little indie excellence that the first one had, you get you have to give it up in, in exchange for them making this expansive world. Yeah. This is how I, I think you I would find... like this game a hundred times more if this was either your first experience or if you hadn't just played... Bioshock <laughs> 1 and 2. Just like we had, but then the problem is you lose out on a lot of the meaning of some of the stuff in the game. Because yeah. revisiting it, like, uh, there's a section at the end that got me so hyped. Like, if you just want to go watch the end of our playthrough of Infinite, like, I was out of my mind. And I, the first time I played it, it meant nothing to me because I hadn't played the other yeah. Bioshocks, you know? I think part of it, too, is this game did come out, like, three years after 2. So it did yes. feel a little more fresh to people uh, just picking it back up. Yeah. Because, like, they had yeah, to yeah. in a while. I'll say, actually, um, I agree that the enemies can seem stale in this game. There's no personality For in sure. these mm-hmm. enemies compared to, because, you know, I love those splicers. I can quote yeah. all their weird uh, shenanigans that they say. Um. And they were more fascinating to me. Yeah, these these are no. There's no personality in these enemies. I find. Yeah, um, they're fodder, and that's one of my big notes. Uh, I think I wrote it during the DLC, but it was most prevalent during the the base game. Was that the cannon fodder enemies that just throw themselves at you to die? Mm-hmm. I got so bored of them that like I wanted to Last of Us Part Two and run to the end of the encounter <laughs> and just avoid it. You know. I know that, well, like, I, the city is really cool to me, Columbia. It is. And the philosophies, you know, with our messed up history and all that. Um, mm. But I think their star, just like Rapture was really the star of Bioshock 1, I think the star, yeah. Ken Levine said, uh, is Elizabeth in this game. Sure. Yeah, fair. And um, I, I think... But the thing is, Elizabeth is most most interesting in the DLC. Yes. Yeah. That I agree. I loved her when I played it the first time, but then on revisit, she felt a little bland now that I was like, again, I, I think it just has to do with the fact that I was waiting for a little more because there's so much in the other Bioshocks yeah. that I was like, okay, what like what did I miss about Elizabeth? And not that she's not a good character, but it just wasn't as rich as I wanted. But then in the DLC, I, I got what I, I do like Booker a lot as a protagonist. Um, really? I do. Yeah, and it's Troy Baker, too. He does a great job. I know it's Troy Baker, but I thought that despite the fact that he was the most, uh, like, 
written of the Bioshock protagonist, he was the least interesting to me. His story, like, with, you know, the big plot at the end was interesting, but throughout he felt so generic. Um, I guess I could see that. I think, like, Slate is someone that, like, you probably don't even remember who Slate is. I remember Slate. I was saying a character like that, yeah, is kind of generic or you forget. More more than Booker. Really? Yeah, I, I attached to Booker, I think. Okay. I, I will say I didn't love him as much on my second playthrough, but I think that's because I knew his story. I knew what would happen. Um, as for Elizabeth, I remember a lot of people like praising her AI back then, I guess, because yeah. AI was bad back then. But really, she doesn't do any – like she doesn't – She's good, but she doesn't do any combat. She just gives you ammo, health, yeah. whatever. She doesn't get in the way, stairs. which is really nice. Yeah, I, yeah, it's not an escort mission right. game, thank God. <laughs> One of my favorite, like, bad, not bad programming, but I guess just, like, it being a slightly older game that I saw was Elizabeth's random pop in and pop out of different places. She'd be on my left, and then she would appear like 400 yards away from me to my right, and I'd be like, Opening tears. (laughs) Or or tossing me a coin through a wall. Like, (laughs) Like, it's not a glitch, it's tears. She clipped through the floor for me. (laughs) Like, half her body was underneath the floor at one point. Um... Okay, it's interesting that uh, we had different experiences with the protagonist then, because he he did feel very mad to me. He was, his voice was fun and stuff, but because uh, you know it's Troy Baker. But um, as far as like throughout the game, he just felt very like kind of generic, gruff. And I also found that I was least emotionally invested in this, or at least equally emotionally invested as I was in Bioshock One, at least for most of it, only because he. Since it's very much like a, he doesn't know what he's doing and he's just like, I'm just trying to get my money. Like, I'm trying to I'm trying to settle this debt. It's a very, like, clear-cut mission, or at least you're led to believe, that I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I was... The mysteries of the world interest me. Like, the Lutesses, I think, are wonderful characters. They're great. I loved the moments where you could explore part, like, the world when it's alive. Especially early in the beginning, I sat there and I watched that bar- barbershop quartet for almost like the whole performance, um, and just little stuff like that. I loved exploring the world. Uh, music in this game was pretty good, not as good as the other games, and not as good as the DLC. But I enjoyed the music, especially the what? live performances were fun. All the music is like real songs, but made old timey. I love that. I I did like when they would do that, like when they would open a tear, and you'd be like, oh, wait, I. That song is not appropriate. Like, but you would hear their the bio the Columbia's versions of them, I guess, like yeah. uh, "Tainted Love," uh, "Shiny Happy People." Um, mm. There's a third one. The thing about I thought the DLC did music the best, though for my for my personal tastes in music, it was what is it more violins it me... and stuff? Yeah, that um, okay. <laughs> uh, without spoiling anything, the uh, the beginning of episode two of the DLC. Opens with La Vie en Rose. Oh, yeah. And, and it swells so beautifully. I just wanted to sit there in that, that moment forever. That, the bird is like synced up to the music. Yeah. I think, so it tweets. You can, you can ask Palazzo. I think I spent like 10 minutes in the opening Far too long. Just well, I love it. There are sections in the base infinite that I would do that. Like the beach, the battleship bay. 
was there playing girls just want to have fun on the little foghorns or whatever yeah. and the, the, what interactions elizabeth has with the people on the beach and stuff and it's a beautiful city like i had i i know you don't stop and smell the roses often but uh <laughs> no, it was definitely it's freaking gorgeous like we can all agree on that i right yeah 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 yeah, no. So yeah, it's rapture yeah. was, and it was back then. It's still yeah, it will, yeah, cool it looking, like, but it wasn't beautiful yeah, when you play it. It wasn't necessarily beautiful because it, it got messed up. And oh. um, the the game actually it plays well. Like the the feeling again. Oh of yeah, firing a weapon or using your vigors, um, movement speed, and using the sky hook. That's all fun. It's just a matter of the game feels a little dumbed down and that kind of detracts from the technical improvements in the gameplay. I feel like I'm glad the headshots felt good yeah. because that's something I've loved about all the Bioshocks in this one. I found myself getting headshots by accident all the time and I'm playing on PC. So I don't think there's any sort of aim assist. It just seems that like the cursor naturally rests at where a lot of people's heads were. So I would shoot like, like, one time I entered a bathroom, and I'm like, oh, I bet there's going to be people here. And I turned the corner, and there were two dudes that, like, jumped out to try and do a Bioshock scare on me. And I just clicked, like, without trying to aim, and boom, went down immediately, because it was just at his head by default. But the, the headshots felt good, and I loved the plasmids. Um, for me, the ones I used all game were uh, Crows and Possession. Mm-hmm. And I think possession is just so much fun because I, I wanted to go for a build because I saw that I enjoyed that so much more in Bioshock 2. So the first thing I did was I dumped all of the upgrades until I maxed out my plasmids. And so like possession, you know, I was weak. I was a glass cannon, but I could run around and basically possess the tanky dudes and get everyone to turn on each other. And there were a lot of fun animations like based on what weapon they were using because when you use possession, when it wears off, they kill themselves and so, like, when it's the rocket launcher, like, you see him turn it on himself. And one of them, yeah. literally, he flew up into the sky. He Like, he went off my screen and his armor was on the ground. And then, like, five seconds later, his body came flying back down. <laughs> and just fun stuff like that. Like, those little attention to details are still present. It just kind of sucks that the larger world overall felt boring because it is so the parts that are good are excellent and what i can't figure out is why they give you the worst gameplay sections towards the very end of the darn game i I like the end i I know you don't like the boss fight but leading up to that i liked it i don't like the boss fight with lady comstock which you have to fight her three times and i oh oh that yeah and i hate hate the i liked I hate the but three times the same boss at the end too. Yeah, you have to the fight same the same boss, boss three, three times. It's kind of yeah. It was repetitive. Okay, maybe not like okay, maybe not like the three times bit, but like I thought it was really cool. It it's yeah. Just it, it, I agree that doing it three times is a bit much. Someone down. Yeah, definitely not three times, but like every time you would shoot an enemy down, she'd be like, "Psych!" And yeah. I'm like, oh, I like you. Like that was I don't know. I liked it. I liked the challenge. What about I like uh, the sky hook because I really love that they this game turning these Bioshocks turning weapons that aren't meant to be like things that aren't meant to be weapons like the wrench is just a household item the sky hook wasn't meant to be a weapon it was meant to carry mail back and forth mm-hmm. or the the the, the sky hooks were carrying mail and then they found a, a a device to ride those rails 
And I really love the executions. I don't know if you guys did a lot yeah, of Skyhook Yeah, I tried doing a lot of those. I did a lot of those my first playthrough, so I tried to do a little differently this time. But yeah, that, that, that was one of the most fun mechanics in the game. I love the cinematic scenes of jumping oh, yeah. from like a blimp down onto like a railing. It was just, it was fun. Um, it was a fun time. Amanda, you have... It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I agree with what Palazzo said, though. I will say... I really enjoyed I really enjoyed it at first. I thought the attacks from like the skyline were really cool. And then there was just a point where you had to you had to travel on the skyline and get somewhere else and I just got so frustrated and confused because and how they took okay, they took away the map, which is totally fine. Like that's I'm it forced me to explore more. I had a good time with it and yeah, I could click N for navigation to kind of figure it out. But then once I got frustrated and I clicked N, the arrow would like it would just start pointing upward and I'm like, "Okay, yes, mm-hmm. I know. I have to go on the skyline, but which way?" And I would click it and it would kind of I don't know. I just got really annoyed with it after a while. It just got a little confusing, but I did love it nonetheless. But I also kind of hated it. Yeah, the so, arrow like, sometimes was not very intuitive of where you needed to go sometimes. At all, man. I tried not to use the navigation for the sake of exploration. Um, same, but then the, the few instances where I didn't need it, it was useless. So did you did you guys uh, yeah. use those skylines themselves? To your, not the sky hook, but the skylines like in your flights? because. Yeah. You can make yeah. some really cool roller coaster battles with that thing. I'm surprised yeah, you find it yeah. so boring. That was my main p- way of playing the game when I played it the first time. I liked it a lot. I didn't find that part boring. Uh, but you mentioned a map and the lack of it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why was there no map? Why would you take away a mechanic from your Bioshock players? I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> That's so. I never used the maps in any of those games. So I always so used weird. them. I didn't either, so I didn't really miss it. But I had a friend who even bought like the strategy guide, and that had the map on it too. So I don't know; it's weird. Well, thinking back to like Bioshock One and Two, I remember like I would definitely click the map, but even looking at the map, I'm like, this doesn't help me at all. I have no yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm supposed to go, so I would just close the map and try and figure it out for myself. Um, but at least then, like you had that arrow, and that arrow in Bioshock One and Two was, I could rely heavy on that arrow but an infinite dude that was just led I, me astray so many times well i guess because it's so linear you can't really have a map because there's no backtracking really or they're not really level there is though in in some points especially for some of the puzzles like i know there's you have to go way yeah, back that poster or whatever that we yeah. should elizabeth's like we did this for some titillage or something <laughs> yeah um, that you go back there, yeah, but there's n- not much. I do think the characters at least were were super interesting, but I also think that some of my favorite characters then became more interesting in in the DLC again. Uh, like stuff, um, the Lutesses, of course, were super fantastic. Yeah. Um, Comstock is an interesting character. I don't love his execution i think the voice is kind of wimpy for what they were going he for. underwhelmed especially me. when you hear him yeah especially when you hear him screaming on like audio logs and he doesn't it's not like a scary scream it's like a tantrum scream and i'm like okay but uh other characters like fink i thought fink was super interesting and i loved um you find the world fink building they did with fink? but not comstock 
I said I found Comstock interesting, just that his voice was windy. The DLC helps Fink out a lot, I will say. I found him more interesting after the DLC. Well, because what I liked about Fink was uh, I I liked trying to figure out his place in the world the same way with, like, Sinclair or someone in Bioshock 2. Because I like listening to the audio logs. And then there's one where you find out that because of the tears, like, he's been stealing information from Rapture. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're hacks. Him and his brother. His his brother's stealing the music. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. Like, that's what I mean about, like, I thought those characters were interesting because the way it tied in and and this cool explanation that was completely hidden away and was an extra thing that then got expounded on in the DLC and, like, brought kind of to the forefront in some sections. Uh, I thought it was cool stuff that they did. Like, when they did do world building, it was super cool. I just wish there was more of it. I feel like they didn't use the space as effectively as they could have. I wish... It's weird that I'm saying this, but I kind of wish it was a smaller scope of as far as the game goes. And intimate spaces could do a lot for your horror aspect that they still tried to play with in this game. Like, the it, second area really. you go to when you're in that the house with the mm-hmm. uh, that creepy statue and the ravens and everything i think it, mm-hmm. that space is used very well cuz you're like in a confined space it's darker it's there's world building in there that's creepy but columbia as a whole is just uh, the the place is interesting i would just prefer rapture i guess it, i just prefer rapture you know and yes. i didn't think i would find myself like that because i didn't want to be the guy who who would be like this isn't Bioshock. I want more Bioshock. <laughs> I, I want you to expand and do new stuff. But honestly, yeah, that wasn't Bioshock. I want more Bioshock. Like, when it, when it just... went to Rapture, I was just so... Because uh, the DLC takes place in Rapture. When I was there, I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. I love seeing Rapture beforehand. And I was like, I would love to have seen like everything they did with this game mechanically and, and budget-wise and scale-wise. And even, like, just done a story in Rapture, kind of like they did in the DLC. Or even if it was, like, you're playing as some, like, regular dude there in the midst of the Civil War or something like that. I don't know. It was just... I felt like because it's more confined... And, again, it's it's a shorter game as well, the DLC. But because everything was confined and it was shorter and it was more detailed, everything was a lot more interesting than in this larger game. Amanda, go ahead. <laughs> No, I don't know. I as I mean, yeah, I didn't love I didn't love it, but I still thought the whole concept and everything was really unique. Um It was I, I think yeah, it, it was. And I think the change of scenery is definitely needed. Don't get me wrong, yes, I prefer Rapture. But at the same time, I don't know, I feel like if I got a third game taking place in Rapture, I'd be like, All right, let's uh come on guys, we gotta <laughs> something new you know you gotta shake it up a little bit so i i don't know wow but that's that's why you gotta you gotta play the dlc because you did not play the dlc correct no i i watched you play it when you get there it's so bright and you see like you have interactions with sander cohen and like all these other characters oh man (laughs) well that i agree but the gameplay wise i also actually find the dlc kind of boring I, I thought love it was it's, so much better. The story so better. parts, the story parts, I love, but it's just more of the same. And that's, especially the first episode is only two hours. That's what I think. That that's my thing with Infinite. I think what carries Bioshock Infinite is its narrative 
And the first time you play through that game, you don't know what's going to happen. So you're constantly wanting to get to the next story section and be like, you want to find out more about it, piece the story together until you get to that amazing ending, right? But if you're going back for a second playthrough, like me and John did, uh, we know what's going to happen. So we want to, you know, we're we're experiencing the gameplay kind of in a new light, wanting to enjoy things from there. And it's not as exciting because they take so many things away from you that they had in Bioshock 1 Mm -hmm. and 2. And in that respect, that's why I didn't find it as fun this time because I was bored in between the story sections. And when you know the story already, there's not a lot to be excited for. Because what the DLC does well, I think, is, um, and I keep harping on it because it, to me it represents what the game is, like, Infinite as a whole could have been. And not to go back to it, but a joke I made earlier, but that I kept thinking often was that I was like, this DLC is what, like, The Last of Us 2 should have been. And this <laughs> DLC is what I wish Infinite was. But, like, one of the things it does well is that, yeah, okay, they took away mechanics, and while I maybe wish that they had made something more fully fleshed instead of stripping them away... What it did in, at least in episode two, is that it made you play the game completely differently. Um, and that made the gameplay interesting again. So they introduced uh, a new weapon and the game is far more encouraging of stealth, which is not something I found myself doing very often at all. Um, and so I enjoyed that. And it, it introduced new mechanics to enhance the stealth, like uh, different materials that you're walking on, making different levels of noise and like this noticing mechanic. Uh, and it tweaked the pla- the plasmids to all work the way that you that it would for that particular setting. And because of the way that the gameplay enhanced the story, I found myself tense for the first time since Bioshock 1. Like, the first time you encounter a, a Big Daddy again in, in the gameplay in the DLC, he's suddenly scary again since for the first time since I saw him. And he remains scary for the DLC. And overall, I just... I found myself having more fun and i wish that you know it's not that the game has to be set in rapture but i wish they had found a way to bring the fun from the dlc into the main game and i think it's aided by the fact that it's a smaller scope you know the dlc the second part is fun for you or is also the first part because they were both fun for me i think they're all fun the second is by far the most fun but i think the first one is i i don't think i view them as separate dlcs they're episode one and two episode one is really an introduction it's the tutorial to the world that you're going to be exploring in the dlc and it's more story it's more look oh look there's that thing you remember oh look there's this this is different so, here's this and then the ending of of episode one is awesome what well, i'm hold on i'm just so confused because it's more or less the same thing and you guys don't like i'm thinking it's because you guys didn't know the story of the dlc and maybe that's why you found it the most fun I That's... guess, but also one of my notes is the fact that like that I like the story because I was happy to see things return, but at the same time, nothing. Uh, it didn't like shock me or anything. But I I enjoyed. I I, I had I just had fun in it. I don't get because there's a whole lot of walking around at the beginning for episode one. It's just walking around. You can't. But really it's about fight. stuff you love. <laughs> But e- no, e- even in Infinite, when it was people I didn't know, like when I was walking around in the beginning, listening to the quartet, listening to the people talking, I like that. Yeah. And then it went away. Like things stopped being interesting. The world was empty. Like it was just cannon fodder enemies and then like spaces with very little to gain from exploration. Yeah. That's my main gripe with the game. I it agree. didn't. It didn't incentivize the 
the activities that I love from Bioshock, and then the new introductions were good, like the Skyhook and all so of that. No but hacking, they stripped away a lot. Of it. <laughs> yeah, no honestly, hacking. I was mad because the DLC brings back the the hacking from Bioshock Two, and I was yeah. like, no, <laughs> Infinite took away hacking but, yeah. too. Like, the, I feel like Bioshock Infinite just sets out to take things away from you that were fun. No, I I wasn't I think... mad because they gave you possession. Yeah. Which is basically hacking without a minigame. But I think uh, they wanted to tell this story, and I think they tried to make it even more for casuals. So I'm yeah, extra surprised I mean, that you don't like it. And they succeeded, I hated it. <laughs> Not to no offense. Yeah, no, but you're right. It is for casuals because it's just a basic first-person shooter game. And that's everything I liked about Bioshock Infinite was that it was so different from your basic first-person shooter, basic Call of Duty, right? And they made this game more like that with a skyhook but everything else was yeah. you know it, it was like a game it was call of duty with a bioshock tint over it is what Do i you felt not like the use your vigors often i didn't have to i barely used them and they, so you didn't the yeah, game didn't the game. game did not incentivize me to use it as much as bioshock one and two did and i didn't have to because it was so easy but I only use my Vigors. That was my build. Like, it was centered around Vigors. And I feel very similar to Palazzo. But Palazzo was saying that he didn't have his options because he didn't have his gun, right? You didn't, the lack of gun options, upset. yeah. So right there, you st- you switch to Vigors. And then you pick up a different gun. The Vigors in this game were not nearly as interesting to me as they were in the other games. I just, I, for whatever reason, I didn't find myself using them as much as I did in the other ones, and I don't know why. And I think Amanda's going to explode. Amanda, yeah, Amanda has something. I don't agree with that, but Amanda, go on. I'm not. <laughs> um, I just, I, I don't know. I think that's really interesting because I actually found myself using the Vigors. Okay, look, we're just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it because the vigors and the plasmids. I don't like. No, they're the same thing. They're the yes, same thing, yo. I don't like. You can't convince me otherwise. Okay. Well, they literally so, are because think yes, looked at yes, the DLC. Yes, we just keep saying yeah. vigors. Oh no, I mean plasmids. No, I mean no. They're the same thing. <laughs> whatever. Forget it. I'm tired Bat of this. salts. Whatever. <laughs> so I just think I found myself using the vigors even more this game. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why, but I was, and I just, I don't know, I found a, I had a lot more fun experimenting with the Vigors plus the guns and, like, just having a good time, as awful as it sounds, at killing these people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I found different ways to yeah, attack, and I, I don't know. I, that's what Bioshock so I just always think tries to do. Yeah. I, I'll give I, you there's less options, but there's still quite a bit. This yeah, game. yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. And I mean, yes. At the end of the day, it, it is still a first-person shooter. But I mean, I don't, I don't think it lacks any excitement that it created from the beginning. You know, but, hey, I think it just lacks just the excitement mind. that I've expected from Bioshock. Yeah, I agree. It lacks a certain air quality about it that. Every single arena that you walked into was just enemy waves, move on, walk and talk, enemy waves. And the the lack of options with your guns played into that. Lack of gear options, I want to say, played into every combat area feeling repetitive to me. And I guess that was just the way I played. I found the two guns that worked and I used those, but... I just couldn't get over the feeling that I'm like, I would be having more fun if this was just Bioshock 1 or 2. That's so interesting. And the tears, too. Oh, tears were cool. I will say I enjoyed the tear mechanic a lot. That's the thing. Like, it's all well done, but just something feels 
empty about it to me. And I mean, yeah. If you want to talk about like literal snoozeville, is when you're playing Elizabeth putting people to sleep. Like uh, I don't. This the help the half baked stealth system to me didn't really. Uh, half baked it yeah. felt fully flesh baby mm, you might you if you play that again i'm pretty sure you might uh because it's one it's really just one way to play that you just Stealth. sneak around it's yeah, slow so but i had fun doing it because it was nimby. i guess i guess it was just nice that and again as someone who like could care less about being scared in games like i it was nice yeah. to be scared again i don't know it was oh you found it scary I or tense at least like I I felt like I was weighing everything carefully and I was trying to execute a plan and then like things would go wrong and I had to like recalculate on the fly and all of that like I did not feel and obviously it's the design of the game but like I wasn't about to get up and just run around and blast people I I only shot with like a lethal weapon when it was necessary and it was just because like it, it felt tense again. It had the feeling that I had when I was playing Bioshock One. I agree. To me, that feels like it's constraining the player, which is the antithesis of Ryan's. But it gives you game. options for for blasting people. Like there are certain upgrades that you can get to uh, um, to like empower that. I just chose to embrace the stealth because it was different from anything I had done in my. I think it encourages stealth more than. I think it does by default, like that. It, it's kind of because you're playing as Elizabeth, it wants to set up something different. But I think it gives you the option to go other routes. Like if you look at the upgrades it gives you, there there are ways to go about it. I just I embraced what it told me to do because it was new. Hey everyone, it's me again with another quick note. First off, this week I just wanted to thank everyone listening again. We have seen support continue to grow, and it has really been outstanding and seriously means a lot to all of us that said as usual we want to give a super quick shout out to all of our founding parents for supporting us on indiegogo these include adriana Larcon, juan sorrilla will williams Anne baird jerry benetados katrina scott carolina riverol alejandro Larcon, and giovanni sorrilla thank you all so much as a quick reminder, at the time that this releases, there will only be just about a week left on our Indiegogo. So if you want to join our founding parents in supporting the launch of the show, go check that out. There's a couple of really cool reward tiers on there, such as being able to request a game be reviewed on the show. And we actually have two of those donor-sponsored episodes that will be coming your way very, very soon. Another reminder that donors, regardless of amount, will be getting access to our Discord. So even if you just go and toss us one you'll be able to participate in our Discord where you can vote in polls and chat with us and help shape what the show looks like moving forward. And even if you can't donate, we just want to say thank you all for listening and sharing. One of the most important things for us right now as we're getting started is word of mouth. If you like the show, share it with people who you think will like it as it really helps and we want to make sure as many people as possible get to enjoy the show and chat with us. So once again, thank you all so much. I'll let you get back to the episode. Can I just say, I've got one thing. I just got one thing to say. I, the one thing that Infinite had that, the one thing that Infinite didn't have that both Bioshock 1 and 2 had, at least for me, was zero crashes, dude. (laughs) Zero crashes. My game didn't crash (laughs) once with Infinite. So look, I don't know if it's because I'm biased or something, but I'm really grateful (laughs) <laughs> for for a really enjoyable experience that I just didn't have a single crash. I don't know. I don't know. 
Funny enough, I had no crashes in the base game, and then the DLC, which I loved, I had weird frame drops. Not crashes, but, like, the whole game, infinite, like, the whole time I was running over 120 FPS, and, like, I'm not, like, a snob about that, I don't care, as long as it looks good, it's fine. But then, in a certain section of the game, I would get, like, a random drop to, like, 20 FPS, and then back up, and I'd be like, whoa, what is happening here? Um, So, funny enough, that was... That's a, a little ding on on the DLC. Um, but I guess, can we can we start talking about some of the uh, narrative? Uh, whether that be if you want to discuss certain plot points or even just bigger themes. Because one of the things for me that I don't know how I missed it the first time around, but I completely missed the theme of racism in the game the first time I played it. That or I completely forgot it. Yeah, you said that to me, and I'm like, how did you know? <laughs> I don't know how, and I, I know Palazzo had a similar uh, thought as well, but like, yeah. I remember the, the moment with the couple early on, but in my head I was just like, oh, it's evil if you attack the couple that's tied up, and it's good if you attack the police officer. But I did it didn't click in my head why they were tied up, and I don't know why, because I wasn't like seven, you know? Um, and then also, like, there are people literally in blue KKK hoodies, and I miss that. And I remember seeing the statue of John Wilkes Booth and being like, that's weird. Why is John Wilkes Booth here? Like, why do they have a statue of him? But the entire theme of racism was lost on me the first time I played it. And I was shocked playing through yeah, it Yeah, I had the, pretty much the same exact experience this time. Because all I remember from my first playthrough was the ending. Because the ending is so, yeah. like, you know, it's crazy. And I remember the the main players. But the, the whole theme of racism and um, the the what do you call it the opposite of benefits the bad things about nationalism is throughout this game too and the way that they use like you know tall george washington statues and how everyone's praising them as if it's like uh they're jesus statues you know and the john wilkes booth statue that you mentioned and there's this one house that you could go to where um it's like I love that house. There's there's two a couple in there there's that's kind of trying to keep things down when you enter them there. They don't call for the police. They're like, "Okay, get in the bathroom, stay quiet." And they have like Abraham Lincoln portraits up and that's like the polar opposite of what everyone else mm-hmm. in Colombia is like. And I think there's a couple things in the game that's like a little cringy for modern times, but for back then that for me personally, that was like one of the first experiences in a video game I must have seen that handled that sort of thing and really went full force with themes such as that yeah. because they hit you and, over the head with it. They really do. And in the beginning, when you see it the most up, when it's most prevalent is they have some really cool moments, even subtle ones that gives it that Bioshock one feel like, um, I remember you go into one area where it's relatively empty at that point, but it's, it looks like this kind of like girl scout area. And it was like, it was supposed to be to like teach uh, patriotism to, to the young girls and i was like they're children they don't need to have an allegiance to a freaking country like yeah. it made me mad <laughs> when i saw it um but yeah like little little details like that in the world building especially early on um were wonderful and, and i enjoyed seeing it this time around and i was just shocked that it did not register or at least not stick with me from the first time i played it um and then kind of the letdown of the story is that it i feel like it uh that theme fizzles out in favor of the science fiction-y theme, which yeah. I think is super interesting. I love, you know, the plot twist in this game is great. I love all of that. 
Um, but it doesn't necessarily reach a satisfying conclusion. And it's something that we talked about. They, uh, there's a revolutionary character who mm. it kind of feels like they do dirty because I get the point that they're making with like, you know, oh, two sides of the same coin. But it happens so suddenly that I, while it didn't like bother me, I was like, okay, it kind of, I get your point and you made it and that's fine. And it kind of sucks that, that you, like, I wish you had shown hints of this in her character before you did the big twist or whatever. Because um, it kind of came out of nowhere. But then the DLC did something that, like, changed the twist. But also, uh, because they don't have time to, like, fully flesh it because it already happened in the game, at least gives it meaning and gave it a new light that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I, I completely agree. In fact, I think I told you that. it's like I was like, okay, don't worry. The DLC fixes her character. You might not agree mm-hmm. with some of the choices they make, but the DLC fixes it, and they absolutely do. Um, yeah, so Daisy Fitzroy is the leader of the revolution um, fighting against Comstock and all of his racist cronies, you know, religious cult people, all yeah. that stuff. Should we enter spoiler zone now? I mean, we've kind of been there. <laughs> we yeah, talked yeah. about but officially and before before we say anything for real for real. Okay. Um, yeah, we we are gonna discuss some of the spoilers because I think we're getting towards There's a we're spoiler. Getting the area. Okay, go ahead. Here we go. So. Yeah, she's the leader of the revolution, and um, they, they're playing with the idea that both sides are the same, and they're just as bad, the extremes are bad, which I didn't care for when talking about Daisy, because she's fighting for a good cause, and especially with mm-hmm. what the, the choices they present to the player... You're almost you're on her side, essentially. <laughs> they even talk yeah, about that hopefully. with the other Booker DeWitt is a martyr. You're on their side, right? And um yeah. she almost she becomes a murderer at the end of Bioshock Infinite, and I didn't care for that either. But the DLC go back they go back and explain why she had to do what she did, and she did it for the greater good and for a good cause. So uh, I'm glad they went back and fixed that. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with doing the, the the two sides of the same coin. Like, even if it is a sensitive issue like this, I think that's perfectly fine because that is true to life. People are complex, and even yeah. someone who's fighting for a good cause can be doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, it just... Because she kind of exists in the shadows earlier on in the game, uh, you kind of... It doesn't give you too much opportunity to set up seeds for you being like... For you to question her at all. Yeah. And it's because it is such a, like, in the real world, like, obviously racism sucks, you know, Uh, which is an understatement. But so naturally, like, if you're going to go that route, I feel like you need to give um, it's nicer if you set it up a little more so that you're questioning the individual and not the cause. And I think the question, the questioning of the individual did not come until the crux of that in the story. So I think while it might be you could technically consider it a cop-out. I think it's nice that they retconned it the way they did. Yeah, I think so, too. It might have been intentional, though, because the game, they'd already been planning the DLC as soon as the game came out. Gotcha. So, yeah. Maybe. Either either way, yeah. It, it could be, it could not be. Yeah, I'm curious uh, for the rest of you how, like, uh, those overarching themes, like the the racism and the nationalism and all of this, like, how effectively did you feel they were wielded? Because no, I guess yeah, Sasuke, I it felt like instantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys. <Same. laughs> I honestly, the moment that I realized it was when the announcer um, 
when you're there and you're going to get ready to, before you have the option, the illusion of choice to either hit mm-hmm. the couple or the announcer, um, he says, because this white woman walks up and gives him the thing, and he's like, well, look at this beautiful white woman. And I was like, yeah. why did he said, why do you... Isn't that the prettiest oh, no. white and, girl in all of yeah, Colombia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I was like, I I'm not going to like what comes like, next. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I already know what's coming. And then it happened. It came out and I was like, this... And that's when I like paused my game, John, and I like joined yeah. you on the stream and I was like, big yikes. I... Wow. <laughs> I did not... That was... Ooh, uncomf. Yeah. And then they give you the option to do this. And I'm like, what, what do you think I'm going to do? But then, obviously, later on, I find out, like, regardless of what you choice you made like you're gonna get caught and yeah that whole thing but yeah no that was pretty uh up in your face from the beginning my dudes yeah. i felt like <laughs> oh i do not disagree with you in the slightest yeah, yeah, i just yeah, yeah. in memory that was not that did not exist in my memory of the game which is what shocked me on this yeah place. i mean i mean hey also considering like the climate we're in right now you know I'm, oh yeah maybe. yeah you're probably more but, prone to it you know but yeah, no. Also, I mean, I don't know how old you guys were when you first played this game, so I don't. I know. guess like it, it, four, high school, one, like fifteen, fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. High school, uh, freshman or sophomore high school for these the young. Yeah, yeah, and let's be real. Ecology. Come on, high, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> high school history. They don't. They don't really tell you what. What's going I mean, on. but that, that's it. Like I knew. I obviously knew about all these things, which is again why it's like, like I wasn't blind. It, it's just it's shocking to me. But that's not the point. The point right. is. How do you feel uh, it was used in the game? Like, yeah, it's it's very heavy early on, but to me it feels like uh, the way it fizzles out, it's not, like, noticeably unsatisfying, but it's also not a satisfying resolution to it, which I don't think it attempts to resolve it. I think yeah. they use it, they kind of show it to you through Booker, too, because the whole time he's kind of like, who the fuck are these people? They're crazy. Yeah. They, they, this is ridiculous. Screw these people, you know? But on the other end, they kind of don't handle it well with Booker because he only cares about the plot that he's a part of. He's like, I just want to get Elizabeth and I want to get out of here, <laughs> you know? Um, and to yeah. that respect, maybe they don't handle it well, but they do constantly throw in the, I hate these guys, screw them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. blazing through them the the player actually shooting them you know it's it can't be resolved and then maybe they had sure. more of it it almost feels like they had like more of it and then someone's like yeah this is this is too much because like i would feel that weighted down if that if i was getting hit over the head with that the entire game i would just be like like i'm tired of this in yeah general. like i'm just exhausted so like i kind of like that although it does feel a little unresolved but then at the same time if you like hold it in context of like real life it's not something yeah. that can really be solved that easily, especially over Definitely the not, game, yeah. Anyway. It's just weird that it felt like it graduated from an A plot to like a C plot. Yeah. yeah. And it yeah. did I it feel that. silently. Definitely. I agree. I agree with you guys there. Because then they're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we got to tell the story of Bioshock Infinite now. Sorry, it's a plot. <laughs> you know? And it's, yeah. I wish they did have more of a resolution to it. This is the world. Now play the game. I, I, yeah. I did hear that a lot of people while developing the game. Uh, or a couple, uh, a few people, or whatever, they left uh, because, like, during the developing of the game, because they mm. didn't like this idea, like the criticism or the negative parts they talk about with religion yeah. and race and the racism stuff. Yeah, uh, I guess being intertwined in this mm. world. I can respect your sensitivity to issues and maybe not wanting to work on the project, but like as a project that's been made, if you're gonna like go there, go there. I don't half ass it. 
you know i don't think they it was also did, just like a commercial thing they're just like we could commit to this but this could also ruin us yeah but that's i don't know that's the spirit of like, like, like do like, you think they have fast indie anymore I do think they half-assed no. it because they, it just went from an A plot to a C plot and it like disappeared. I don't think as they half-assed like, like it though. I think they just kind of they struggled in the writing room of like, oh wait, we have to tell this other story, our main story, but we have this other thing that we've created. That it wasn't half-assed. It was just kind of muddled with their plot that they are there to tell, you know. And then it got it got a little messy. I think. Yeah, I think the execution, it, like the final product, is is a half-assed product. I I don't necessarily think their process was. It, it wasn't like they didn't care. I just don't think they did it well. Like it's. Oh, it, I thought they because it, it exists and then it doesn't. You know. Yeah, I think I think they could have because I know we. I don't know if we mentioned it yet. Actually, like mm-hmm. how there's only one. There's only one ending, right? Yes, there's yes. One? There's only one ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I feel like also that that to me was upsetting. Was even dumb. though I mean, I always play the I get angel route, whatever. I whatever. love that there's one ending. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do it. I don't. I don't, I don't care weird. that there's one ending. That's my thing. Like my ending is my ending. I don't care how many other endings there are. But that's enough of that. <laughs> and I think part of that is why when you got when you replayed it, you didn't have as much fun too because it all ends in the same way. No but the ending's really the best part, though. But huh? okay, well, okay, but like, hold on, hold on. Going, I need to backtrack because yeah, like, sorry, the whole sorry, point go. of that was just like I feel like in that case of when it came to like Daisy and stuff like that, you didn't have a choice. It just like it just happened, and I felt like if we if they stuck with like what they used to do with the other Bioshocks, we'd have a choice to like try and talk her out of it or threaten or well, you know what i you, mean do you know what i'm trying you to say? see this theme with constants and variables throughout the whole game mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and that's why I every know, time I you know. talk to lutessa's uh when they flip that coin it's that same it's always coin tests. over and over yeah, so yeah. and Nick, at the that, end, there's always a lighthouse always a man always the same so that's probably also why there's always the same ending that's why i was yeah. saying earlier there's been so much in media that has used a lot of the same themes like time travel and traveling between realms and the whole Lutez is they're Rosencrantz and Guildenstern essentially. And I feel like there's been an overload of that stuff since Bioshock Infinite that when I played it the second time, I connected with a lot of those things instantly. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, of course. And in this realm, uh, Booker is this. And in this realm, Elizabeth is um, doing that. Of course I understand it. But back then it was so mind blowing to me because it was like one of the first times I had seen all of those things in one collective piece of work, I guess. Don't get me wrong. The narrative is good. I mean, like, I, I know we were just kind of bagging on uh, on how they handled, like, the racism theme just because, to me, it felt like it fizzled out randomly, which it, it just feels weird that it was included and it didn't really go anywhere. Um, but as far as the, the actual story of Bioshock Infinite, the story of Booker and Elizabeth, I enjoyed it just as much this time around as I did the first time because it's... It's my favorite um, kind of twist. The the fact that I was talking to Palazzo about this earlier, but the fact that like you are the villain, but it's you like older from the future from an alternate, you know, whatever, like all of that. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things, and and I enjoyed it. And the Lutessas I loved, and especially uh, like getting to reanalyze them again and like re- listen to them again. I thought they were fantastic characters. Um, 
yeah, I, I thought like all of that was was fabulous and not to take it back to the gameplay, but for me what it let down it, it's not it's not knowing the ending because the ending is the best part of the game and I enjoyed watching that again. It's just the moments in between felt boring and empty. But And um yeah. that's why I like Booker a lot as a character too, because his story is very tragic. You are the villain. For those of you that don't know, this is spoiler territory. Booker mm-hmm. is Comstock in a different reality time. When he accepts the baptism. Exactly. If he accepts the baptism, he becomes Comstock. If not, he's just Booker. And um, in Booker's reality, he doesn't technically become the villain. And it's tragic to think, like, wait, I didn't make that choice. I'm not a bad guy. I'm not Comstock. But in a different reality, you made that and you have to die for it now. And in that respect, um, yeah, I I find his character very interesting and and he's got a tragic backstory, you know, I I like that. And we could debate what the ending actually means technically, as far as like the realities and all of that, probably for ages. Yeah. So I don't know how fruitful that discussion is as far as like a review goes, but, um, but yeah, like it's, it's a fascinating thing to, uh, um, to ponder on. And I, like it and again it doesn't bother me that there's one ending versus eight endings like i like them all equally as long as they're well done and i think this ending is well done like uh palazzo like we were saying i you and i both really didn't like the uh the final uh combat encounter Mm -hmm. it's that's a wave thing where you're just defending something which is uh i think we actually talked about it in either bioshock one or two or no, sorry, we talked about it in uh, Last of Us 2, where I was like, I hate when there's like a timer and I just need to survive yeah, waves. Yeah, it was Last like, of Us. <laughs> I hate that. So so here it is. Like, it's here and I yeah. hate it. But the fact that we, I forgot about that section until I got there. I did too. Because the thing we remembered was the ending, the narrative ending, because it's, it's super well done. And I definitely, like, I can't. Uh, I can't detract from it. And it was cool that seeing that, Nick, you were talking about how in Bioshock 1, they didn't really want that final boss in there. They wanted to do like yeah. their own thing, but I think 2K probably forced them to put it in. It, this is mm-hmm. what those creators probably intended for a Bioshock I ending. Think so. And it it was super well done. You know, I, I can't take that away from them. It, you weren't doing anything incredible in terms of gameplay. You were just walking and letting the story happen, but it was all super intriguing and eerie and um you get to go back to rapture which is super cool and you just let the story come to you and it was super fun to watch and experience and i i still think it's one of the best endings in a video game i've played because of how intriguing it is for sure yeah and the music is yeah yeah so good with that did they like re-record all of the rapture music because it sounded enhanced it's not any at all like bioshock 2 uses some songs from bioshock 1 like that uh-huh. beginning song is the same song on a year pretty much the same song yeah. that uh, you take on the plane when you're on the plane it's the same mm-hmm. violin stuff they just yeah use the violins throughout the whole game here yeah. i noticed they do a really cool fast-paced violin when you're in that uh alleyway about to give up um your yeah. your daughter yeah they have this really nice fast-paced violin and then yeah when the little pinky is all that's left that gets me every time mm. by the way elizabeth is booker's slash comstock's booker's daughter, daughter anna dewitt <laughs> and anna dewitt he brands ad on his hand and that's why at the beginning he looks at his hand and he sees that and they're like that's the mark of the false shepherd because comstock yeah. knows that's what he did yeah speaking of that i just 
the recurring theme of like father and daughter i think is interesting <laughs> uh correction we're right? playing bioshock father and da- or daddy and daughter oh, <laughs> daddy and daughter oh, sorry. oh no <laughs> not yeah. daddy dewitt no, <laughs> let's not. especially considering how many people were like yeah, yeah. Shipping there. Yeah, without mm-hmm. knowing. So uh, I, I, I don't know. Subject I'm not, Forget. I'm skipping. Ooh, We're skipping over that. Um, I just found, I found some of the dialogue between Booker and Elizabeth. At least at first, before I knew it was father daughter that they were. It was. I don't know. It felt one really, really awkward, really awkward yeah. and kind of forced. And I was like, later on, once I realized, oh, father daughter, I'm like, oh, that that's. Ha, that kind of makes sense, even though I don't think that's what they were going for. But, like, in my mind, it made sense. Yeah. Um, well, he didn't then, know. No, I know. No, I, I know. I know. But forget it. Whatever. My point is, there was one <laughs> there was one instance of dialogue where it reminded me of the meme where it's like, no one. Absolutely no one. <laughs> and then Elizabeth. So I guess you're wondering about my pinky finger, huh? And I'm like, no, like what? You didn't see her no. thimble? No, no, yet yeah, no. So yes, you see the thimble as soon as you meet her. But then later on, like you're just, hey, you're minding your business. You're just moving some crates to one other end to get through to an elevator. And it's just like silent. And then she says, hey, so I guess you're probably wondering about my finger. And I'm like, no, no one was. Not at all right now. It was just really weird. It came out of nowhere. It was just something I noted and I laughed at a lot because it reminded me of that meme. And I just had to say it. That's really it. I'm sorry. (laughs) If we want to talk about awkward silences with Elizabeth, one bug that I ran into many times during a section of the game was that Elizabeth would disappear completely. Nowhere near me. And she would be talking, but I like the oh, audio wasn't weird. coming through. She was gone, and there was no audio. And then Booker would be responding to her. <laughs> so Booker would just be talking to himself while I'm walking around the boardwalk. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I loved it. <laughs> and it was kind of an important section, too. Like, it was... It was some, like, decent exposition that I was like, if I haven't played this game before, I'd be very confused right now. I, I was confused regardless, I really do feel like. Yeah, I'd like to thank Bioshock Infinite for the only scare in the Bioshock series that got me real bad <laughs> in the warden's what? office. Tried real hard where you turn me. around and there's like a siren thing there and it just blasts in your face. It got me. That's what I was talking about in the stream when I made John play it in one and he went to the yeah. dentist's office. It's That's the exact same scare. Really. I fully thought that you were going to somehow your sixth sense was going to go off and you were going to be watching the stream just to see how I would react to it. <laughs> it got I was, me. I, honestly, I was a little disappointed that you didn't like conjure yourself out of Did you get scared this point. time? No, he didn't. No, yeah. And for me, when I did that, my first time playing that game, I tried to back up and I couldn't. So I was like, well, yeah. done. Someone's behind me, isn't it? And I turned around. I was like, oh, yeah. Hi, asshole. I saw you do this in the first game. So. <laughs> I think the first time I played it, I did like scream. And this time I didn't remember it, but I don't know. It just didn't. I saw it and I was like, um, oh, hi, Bioshock. The um, creepiest thing. Yeah. That, 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 uh, Boys of Silence, though, that home, uh, Com- is that Comstock House? Comstock House, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that I like the creepiness there. Yeah, it's yeah. like a wheel a, he- a wheelchair with like a head on it that rolls into view perfectly, mm-hmm. like scripted. Um, and old like, Elizabeth. Oh yeah, old Elizabeth, just her like pretending to be a grandma. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Gave itself away way too early because I heard the voice and I was like, "Oh come on, uh, really." <laughs> 
that section sad too because there's a reality where Elizabeth had to wait all those years and Booker yeah. never came and she just kind of turned into a villain. You know. Should we get into the DLC? Probably. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's honest. get into it now. Um, I think I've said a lot of how I feel about it mechanically, but if we want to touch on some of the narrative stuff or any specifics, go for it. I just really love uh, seeing Rapture, what it looked like in yeah. its prime. Ugh, that is, for a hardcore fan, that is so, like, I consider wanting to live there, you know. Like, it was just, beautiful. It's... I couldn't, it, both episodes, like, both of the openings, I could not move on with the actual game because I was yeah. walking around listening to stupid conversations. <laughs> Wanted to that see everything. Nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. yes, having Sander Cohen return is such a delight. Yes. Seeing his uh, Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick, his, his wacky like uh, his people outside his club, whatever, doing stupid poses in yeah. their mm-hmm. bullshit art way, whatever. Because yeah. he's such a hack, Xander Cohen. Like he can't tell him he can't tell himself the truth. He can't look at himself and be like, "Yeah, I'm really not an artist," because he's not. But uh, he and they can't. show that he's smart too, because he says to Elizabeth, "Oh, there's something about you, songbird. There's something I can yeah. tell." And I'm like, "Oh, that's cool that he's like." in tune to that you know oh i thought atlas was done so well in the dlc yes he was because I, I honestly i mean you guys know like i didn't really care too much about him in the main game i was like i wasn't intrigued by him but i didn't think he was like a phenomenal anything in this game i thought he was awesome especially I when he's, him in this one. he slips out of his uh, accent when he's pissed off yeah uh i know in bioshock one atlas and fontaine even though it's the same person they were done actually by two different voice actors yeah but here it was just one i'm not sure if it was the atlas one or the fontaine i'm pretty one. sure it was the atlas I think it was one because i remember one. hearing his fontaine voice and i was like that's not it's not him okay because yeah. in bioshock 2 fontaine the voice actor for him tried to do an atlas voice and it sounded nothing like atlas nothing <laughs> yeah so the uh... um oh my god uh, n- not to jump to the end immediately but the section where he's about to do the lobotomy that's what i was uh, gonna say the transorbital oh my lobotomy god. yeah it like i was that's... cringing and i was like yeah oh, they did nah. Because that's exactly what it looks like when you press on your eye and you see all those weird yeah. colors. They did yeah. that perfectly. Oh and then when he brings God. out the little sister, I was freaking out. Or uh, uh, so many things about it, like played into everything I love about Bioshock. Like when you're seeing all the little sisters trapped and like burning up, I was literally on stream covering my face, going no. Like, and this game it, it is. Just, it had a strong effect on me. I love the DLC. Yeah. The DLC is everything I wanted from Atlas too, because. The sec yeah. when you learn that Atlas is Fontaine, Atlas is a bad guy. I wanted Atlas to preserve his voice because I think that's creepier than what Fontaine was. And this DLC essentially shows you the sleaziness of an evil Atlas, you know. And I like that. Um, go ahead, Nick. Were you gonna say something? Um, Su Chong, you yeah, remember seeing Su Chong see... on the table? You see how yeah. it happened and how he got the pair bond to work because I think yeah. He doesn't get to see when he succeeds in his scientific work when he finally succeeds in the pair bond because he ironically is killed by it. And I, yeah, uh, I got so excited because I heard the recording, the recording, even though it was live in the moment playing before, yeah, before I entered, like before I saw them, I heard it and I was like, oh man, yeah, he's gonna die soon, isn't he? And then I entered the room and I was like, oh, we get to see it happen, yeah. yeah. And so it, it's so many moments like that where. 
like yeah, it's fan service, but I think it's done well. It's oh. not just for the sake <laughs> oh, of Oh, speaking of fan service, Nick, I don't know if I told you, but episode one of the DLC has my favorite moment now in the entire Bioshock series. Yes. <laughs> when you're trying to pull Sally out of the grate and then you hear her scream, Mr. Bubbles! And then you turn uh. around and it goes into slow motion and Mr. Bubbles launches his drill at you. It's like that Scorpion move from Mortal Kombat. The yeah. Get over oh, here. Forgot. Yeah, that so Big cool. Daddy I would have loved to have yeah. seen with the grapple drill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They never had that. That was no, like a it was super new, interesting. Yeah. It was Daddy. a cool move. Yeah. Oh, I got chills at that part. It was awesome. The DLC, I... I saw a lot of the stuff coming. Like, Palazzo, you were watching me during that. And I was yeah. like, I called the whole Big Daddy thing. I was like, oh, you're going to fight him because you're trying to pull her out. and whatever. Yep. But regardless of the fact that I knew it was coming, it was just so well done because it follows the rules of Bioshock. And it was presented in such a great way that even though I knew like three minutes in advance that Big Daddy was going to show up when she screamed, Mr. Bubbles! And you, it, you're in a cinematic mode. I was like, yeah! <laughs> It was, I loved it. I, I was giddy, even it. though he was terrifying and did so much damage, but I was so happy to see him. Yeah. So after this lion with the thorn in its paw, whatever theory, mm-hmm. we have the ace in the hole getting discovered. And I just loved yeah, cool. tying tying everything back, like having Elizabeth being the the hero for the actual hero, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, tying everything together, making her set off the events of Bioshock One, and... seeing Jack Ryan in his little sweater vest again, his little little <laughs> yeah. sweater, <laughs> and then that very sad end with the like the Oscar kind of like credits going on with the music, yeah. with the French music. Yeah, I, I was like, wow, it was perfect. <laughs> it was great. Ten, 10 out of 10, you really feel like you're Elizabeth. Andrew really Ryan feel... Andrew Ryan telling children to like keep candy for themselves. It's like, if you buy a piece of candy, it's yours. You don't want to share it, right? It was... oh, yes. And I got oh, Ryan the Lion, yeah. yeah. I, and I got so hype when Andrew Ryan first starts talking to you again. Like, all these moments. Again, it's fan service, but it's done so well. Yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um. My favorite joke in this DLC was one of the kinetoscope things that was about like <gasps> sex being yes. a contract. I'm like, it's so silly, but it's so funny. <laughs> Remember, you come first. No one is going to put your pleasure before, like, <laughs> yeah. and and stuff like that. It was, it's so funny in the awful Bioshock way, yeah. where it's like, yeah, yeah, this is Rapture. And, like, even, not even just the, I love the kinetoscopes, and that's what upset me. I was like, I wish we had stuff like this in the main game. And then, even when you're just looking through the stands and, like, the magazines and, like, all of that. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God, the peeping Tom plasmid was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like, God, it was, the DLC was great. some of the most fun I had throughout all of these games. Um, and it was just, it was hype, too. Like, it was just a lot of hype. Um, and I loved it. Fan yeah. service done right, and I think they made it because they knew that's what people wanted. They wanted more Rapture. They wanted more Bioshock. You know. I guess do we have any other thoughts, or do we feel like we want to make a vote now? Um, my last thought, just on this entire series, is just how quotable <laughs> it is. <laughs> I just, I don't know. And the one that stuck with me, at least for Infinite, and it's the one I can really remember out of all of them. 
right now was uh, when Comstock is like on one of the airships. I know what it is. And you're looking at yes, you know, of course mm-hmm. you do. Uh, what did he say? He said like the Lord forgives, but I'm just a prophet. I'm the so prophet, I so to. I don't have to. And Amen. I was like, oh. <laughs> And then the lady's like, oh, man, she lights herself on fire. So I was like, really? You think he's boring? Like, he's not scary when he does stuff like that? No, he's a cool character. I was was talking specifically about the voice. His voice is just not what I expected out of his character model. He was underwhelming as a villain for me. Yeah, I don't know. He's better than Fontaine, but he's not Andrew He dies instantly. He just has the creepy hand-washing with Elizabeth. Like, come my leg. Yeah, but then, like, you you, you hear the the audio logs where he's shouting, and he's like, it's not fair! I don't want to hear that! Like, like a stupid voxophone where he's like, when I was a boy, I had a dog named Bill. I was like, who who cares? (laughs) What the heck? It's a proverb. No, but yeah, that was fun. Uh, I loved one of the stupid quotes. I don't know why it made me laugh, but when Elizabeth kills uh, uh, Fitzroy, just her immediate reaction is, I guess it runs in the family. And I don't know why I found that hysterical. I have no clue, but I burst out laughing. That and any moment when we were like out of combat, no one was nearby, and you would just hear, Booker! Elizabeth! <laughs> like, shouting at each other, even though I'm like, guys chill did you guys kill or spare slate Uh, i spared him and then i found him again and you find him later right and he's like being tortured i i thought that was oh yeah i spared him i forgot about that guy they're like she's like oh maybe killing him would have been a mercy because he's over here being tortured that was a cool area too he doesn't even fathom that you're there he's just looking down at the Mm. table he's gone and I liked uh, the, I forget what his name, the Chinese uh, workshop guy who was dead in one reality, so you had yeah, to go yeah, to the yeah. next the, one. Yeah, the, the clock maker. And he, like, in the other reality, his wife his wife is a white woman, and yeah. but he's, like, halfway there, so he's, like, working. He's, like, machine's too loud, but he's just miming. There's nothing yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, another interesting moment there, I guess. Uh, so not boring to me. That's all. That's all. I want everyone to know that my final note in the entire Bioshock series is <clears throat> LOL Jack Ryan and his freaking sweater. <laughs> I love that sweater. Well, I guess in the case of Bioshock Infinite, how do we vote? I vote that you should buy it though, but I'm not going to lie. It's because of the DLC. Oh, my God. Uh, If it weren't for the DLC, I would say buy it as part of the collection, but not, like, don't buy Infinite on its own. Uh, But the DLC raised it so much. It was so well done that I I think it's worth it. So that's my vote. Uh, You should buy it, though. This is a very... The story is incredible. Gameplay I still find very fun. Even if it's just one time linear playthrough for you, that's fine. That's most people only play it one time. I get it. Um, but if you want your Bioshock fill expanded, they have a lot of smart themes in this. It's just a great commentary on that kind of stuff. Buy it. That's mine. That's my say. Buy it. It is a fun game. Um, if you play it solo and not play the other ones, I think you'd enjoy it more. Yes, but if you I buy agree. it as a bundle, you're not going to hate it. It's just, just buy it. 
<laughs> yeah, you, come on, you just you gotta get it. But oh, you would both buy it, really? Yeah, I I think I would. I think I would. Also, just like me, oh, cool. I'm I'm like a completionist. You know what I mean? So if I get if I get the two, I I gotta see it through. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, go ahead, just buy it. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say buy it as well. I I didn't enjoy it as much on my right. second playthrough, but it's a story that I think everyone should experience because it's incredible. And um if you've never played a BioShock game before, you could technically start with this one and you'll you'll really enjoy it. I think you should start. Mm, no, cuz that ending's that's a, not that's as a, good. That's a discussion for another day, yeah. <laughs> but buy it. Please buy it. All right. So Benetatos, do you want to no, you you want to give it to us? I'll... Yeah, okay, fine. In the case of Bioshock Infinite, you should buy it, though. That is a full, unanimous decision to buy every game in the Bioshock In collection. the case of the whole entire Bioshock, you should buy it, Get though. the collector's thing. Get the collector's thing <laughs> and play it to your heart's content. Yeah, Located... I mean, we... You could, you could, you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can nit- nitpick anything to death, you know, and at the end of the day, like, I do have the most complaints with Infinite, but all these games are very, very good. Um, yeah. yeah. One is my favorite, and I'm glad that that's the one that brought you guys a lot of joy. So I'm yes. I'm happy either way. Yeah, I'm I'm so thankful that you guys uh, wanted to do this series as well. I'm glad Knowing... I'm glad we did do it. Yeah, thank you for <laughs> showing us the way. <laughs> so with that, let's get into some rankings, y'all. I want to see where where everyone puts their games. Uh, I guess I'll start because I think I I know my solid order pretty much. For me, it's two, one, and then infinite. Uh, one is not far off from two. Infinite's a little further off from uh, one, but my overall favorite experience, I I think it's Burial at Sea tied with two. There, I love them both for different but similar reasons, and ultimately for uh, the DLC for Infinite, just it makes me want to see what they can do with that power that they had and that funding that they had in that like world of of Rapture, which is what that is. So. It's a it's kind of a tie, but overall two one and then infinite. Uh, I'm gonna go one infinite two and one being a lot higher. Infinite and two are close together, but one being higher than above, like a lot higher than above both of them. Just because it's the first one, it's the original, so it's got it took the most creativity to even sure. conjure this kind of thing. Two had like those as obviously it's really good, but they they had the rapture already was an asset, mm. and the little sisters and big daddy and stuff was already there. And they just expanded upon it. So, yeah. Yeah. I actually agree with Benetanos. I'd say one, three, two. Just because I like the story of three a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm just, I think I'm just going to do one, two, three, baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I think, it, I think all of these <laughs> rankings are fair. I just, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I agree with Amanda. I would go one, two, three. And my favorite experiences are uh, Minerva's Den tied with Bioshock 1. Yeah. Wow. 
that good, huh? I I loved it a lot. <laughs> Maybe I'd put Bioshock One a little bit above Minerva's Den because it's a full experience, a right. full game. But I really right. did love Minerva's Den. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well. What a God! Happy I'm ending. so sad. Yeah, and like I'm, it's I'm happy so sad. sad. It's over. Happy it's sad. It's happy sad. It's happy sad. <laughs> Thank you guys um, for coming on this journey with all of us. If you've listened to all these episodes. Truly, now go watch the many, many hours of streaming that we have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's it's been so much fun uh, going through all of these games. So again, thank you, Benetatos, for uh, for pushing to get this on the docket. Uh, I'm glad we had our little Bioshock you week. I'm also glad that we nice. had that we did these episodes uh, separately because I I know that was not my initial first thought, but. Yeah. Good choice, dude. Good choice. Thank you for indulging in this choice of game. Yeah. Thank you guys. No, of course. And thank you all for listening. We uh we hope that you've all had fun listening and we hope that you've had as much fun as we have playing the games. And if you haven't already, you heard the vote. You should buy it. So so go go do that. <laughs> go play the games. They're cheap, they're fun. Go be a daddy. <laughs> That's that's it. That's my final word on Bioshock. Go be a daddy. (laughs) Go be a daddy, damn it. Thanks for watching, guys. For listening, I guess. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. It gets worse every episode.